The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. On chapter 17, and uh, we have this whole month been uh, doing this series on uh, life on purpose. And, uh, and so I'm going to finish it off this morning with, uh, with what really matters in life. What really matters in life is pleasing God. So, um, so let's talk about that, what really matters in life. Because so often we get caught up with distractions of what matters to us and all sorts of things. But what really matters is pleasing God. And so let me talk to you from a text in uh, John chapter 17, verse 4, which is the prayer that Jesus prayed right on the night before the crucifixion. And, um, and this is what he prayed in verse 4. He says, Father, I've glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. How powerful is that? I finished the work that you've given me to do. So what really matters in life is to serve God. What really matters in life is to be pleasing to God. What really matters in life is to know the difference between good dreams and God dreams. What really matters in life is not to spend your life pursuing good dreams, but pursuing God dreams. And what's the difference? Well, a good dream is pleasing to you. A God dream is pleasing to God. And, and can I just say to you that you will never regret pursuing a life that pleases God. You will never regret it. One of the things that I often do is pinch myself uh, I, I seriously pinch myself just thinking about how blessed my life is. I, you know, this, just over these past few weeks, uh, I've, I, I've seen so many dreams that I dreamt as a young man come to pass. I mean, who gets to speak to nations? Uh, you know, you, you can get a dream like that as a young man, but who gives the opportunity to do that? Maybe 36 years of ministry and waiting in line and being patient and learning the lessons gives you a platform on which you can speak to nations. But this morning, what I want to say to you is this, is that every single one of us has been given a mission by God. And what Jesus did in John chapter 17, verse 4, is explain to us that at the end, what really matters is knowing what that mission is and finishing that mission. And so I want to talk to you about today, about knowing what your divine mission is, what your divine purpose is. How do you discover that mission? How do you discover that God purpose? How do you find that out? And secondly, how do you finish it? Because a lot of people start, but not everybody finishes. So, so let's talk about that. Two things that Jesus did that comes out of this verse is, number one, he knew the work that God had asked him to do. And number two, he finished it. And so let's talk about that. Now, for me, I was blessed because I discovered my divine mission very early in life. 
Very early in life, I was 18, and I discovered my divine mission. What an incredible thing it is to discover it early in life. I'll never forget it. It was uh, Acts chapter 26, verse 16. God spoke to me so clearly out of this scripture. And it says, but rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. And so as an 18-year-old, I discovered it. I discovered the divine purpose that I was called to be a minister. Here I am, 58, 58, you know, 40 years later, still pursuing that calling. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing is this, that God took away the safety net. One of the things that we all want to have in life is what's called a safety net. And the safety net is there for what happens if things go wrong. You know, we've got a safety net. And so here I was at university preparing to become an architect. And God says, I don't want you to finish. And I left the doors open to finish, which was the safety net. But 40 years later, the safety net was never put into place. And so here I am, 40 years later, pursuing the divine purpose for my life without a safety net. Knowing this, that everything that I have has been given to me by God. And every blessing that I have is a divine blessing. And there is no plan B. When you remove the safety net, there is no plan B. You're committed to plan A. And, 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 and for me, you know, I, I never had a choice. Well, what happens if I don't do ministry? Well, there's nothing to go to. It's like... You just understand that ministry is everything and the divine purpose is everything and there is no plan B. And so you are 110% committed to it and you don't give yourself an option for failure because there is no safety net. You pursue it. You pursue it with passion. You pursue it knowing that this is it for the rest of my life and nothing else but to be pleasing to God. And let me tell you, when there is no safety net, that certainly keeps you on the straight and narrow. You don't have a plan B, and it's either you, you, you either serve God or you're homeless, baby. You either serve God or you're on the street. You either serve God, there is no plan B. How many of you know that when you live life like that, that keeps you on the straight and narrow, and you are committed to finishing rather than being deviated from the course? So here's the big question. So, John, you found your, your God purpose when you're 18, but how do I find my God purpose? Oh, that's a great question that I'm so glad you asked this morning. So let, let me give you three very quick points on how to find your God purpose. It's connected to three things, okay? So what are the three things that your God purpose is connected to? Number one, it's connected to obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Can I just tell you that obedience is the biggest thing that God requires from you? You know, too many people are committed to sacrifice. And God says, I'm not interested in your sacrifice. I'm interested in your obedience. Jesus said in John 16, verse 14, if you love me, verse 15, I think it is, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, obedience is connected to love. You cannot love God and not obey him. But not just obedience, it's this following it's this it's this pursuit of god it's this it's this becoming 
connected to him. It's taking up your cross and following him. It's this, God, it's not my will, it's your will. And can I just say to you that 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 that, that is the bottom line in Christianity. Not my will, but your will be done. The bottom line is obedience. See, too many people are sacrificing obedience on the altar of grace. And so I, I love grace and I'm a preacher of grace. But the, there is no compromise with obedience. You, 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 you just can't throw down the grace card and saying, well, I'm throwing down the grace card and grace will cover my disobedience. No, no, grace will give you salvation and that's free. But once you're saved, your next step is obedience. Your next step is discipleship. Obeying all things that Christ has commanded. So, so grace is the free gift of God. But then God comes knocking at your door and saying, Hey, you know what? What are you going to show me about your salvation now that you say, Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm so glad that I'm saved. That's awesome. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, that's right. I paid that for you. It's free. There's absolutely no more requirement. But now that you're saved, I'm coming to knock at your door and asking you to follow me and obey. So for so many people, what they do when God comes knocking at their door asking for obedience, they just throw down the grace card and say, well, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm just saved and that's, that's all that I need from you. And God says, but don't you know that there's a divine purpose for you to fulfill? And that divine purpose is connected to obedience. But God, I've got this to do and that to do. God says, why don't you ask me what I've called you to do, first of all? When you understand that, and we understand obedience, it becomes so powerful in your life. The second thing that the God purpose is connected to, it's connected to your gifting. Everybody say gifting. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, that as each one has received a gift, that word gift is the word charisma in the Greek, you've received a gift, you've received a divine abling. You've received something from God which is distinctly connected to you. It's just a powerful thing to know what is your charisma. What is your distinct gift from God that is connected to you personally? You've got a personality. You've got a DNA. There's something that God has placed within you that is distinctly connected to you. You know, God's not going to call you to be a preacher if he doesn't give you a gift of preaching. You know, God's not going to call you to be a singer if he doesn't give you the gift of singing. God's not going to... How many of you, know, how many of you are self-aware enough to know that God has not called you to be a singer? Some of you need more self-awareness. Your friends can talk to you about that. But some of you... You kind of think everybody can sing because it's so natural for you. If, if you're a singer, it's like, well, why can't everybody do this? It's, it's just you open your mouth and you sound like an angel. It's just amazing. Anne's relatives in Wales all sound like angels. They can sing. I'm telling you. They just open their mouth and it's like, I, I hear the voice of angels. Amazing. And, but for some of us, we sound like frogs. And... Uh, and so can I just say to you, if you have the gift of a frog, we're not going to give you a microphone for you to croak in. Okay, That's the way that it works. But you've got something else. 
You've got something else that you need to pursue because your, your, your divine purpose is connected to your charisma, what God has placed within you. Can I just say that one of the things that God does with us, with our gifting, is what I call divine agitation. Everybody say divine agitation. There's a stirring that takes place. It's a divine agitation. Now, there are agitations, and some of you are sitting right now agitated. That's the flesh. Okay, so you've got to get over the flesh. There's divine agitation, which is a Holy Spirit thing. And a divine agitation is a constant thing. And for some of you, there's a divine agitation where God's trying to direct you. And he's trying to get you positioned in a place. Can I just say to you that with the divine agitation, you've got to add the divine timing. Because what you don't want to do is get ahead of God or behind God. Just wait for the God timing with the God agitation. And sometimes what God does before that, he just shakes the nest. It's like as the eagle shakes the nest. He shakes the nest. And so too many people want to launch out. But if you launch out before your wings are fully developed, you're going to fall on your face. So you wait for the divine timing as well as the divine agitation because God's preparing you for something. The third thing that, that, that the divine purpose is connected to, not just only to obedience and to gifting, but here it is, to faith. Everybody say faith. James talks about faith in James chapter 2, verse 20. He says, faith without works is dead. So faith has to have an action to it. There's got to be an action to faith. Too many people have got just the belief of faith without the action of faith. And the belief without the action leaves you stalled. And so, yeah, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, step out of the boat. Do something. Just get something happening. You know, can I just say for some of you, you, you you've got the faith, you've got the belief, but now it's the action. Do something. Get yourself, get yourself in an uncomfortable place. It's a good thing to be in an uncomfortable place because you've got to get out of the boat. You've got to step out. You've got to do something. You've got to launch out. And when you launch out, something begins to come into place. And it's like God puts the things into place. But you've got to step out. Faith is about stepping out. Come on, be bold. Be bold. Do something. Reach out. You know, get, get someone in an alleyway and lay hands on them and, and rebuke the devils out of their life if you've got to do it. Switch off the light somewhere. Just do it in the dark. Do it in the light. But do something. Just don't sit there waiting, 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 waiting. I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. What are you waiting for? Step out. If you feel that God's calling you, step out into something. So your, your divine purpose is found in obedience and gifting and faith. So that's about knowing what God's called you to do. Once you know what God's called you to do, you've got to be then committed to finishing. And that's, that's the tough thing. It's easy to start. It's not easy to finish. And that's what I love about the prayer that Jesus prayed. Not only did he know what God had called him to do, but here he is the night before his crucifixion. He's saying, I finished the work. And then one of the seven sayings on the cross when Jesus was crucified, there were seven words that he spoke. One of the words that he spoke is, it is finished. What a wonderful thing to be able to say, 
Not only did I find out what you wanted me to do, I was actually able to finish it. What an incredible thing. You know, I'm 58 years of age. I've, you know, as I said, I've been in ministry now um, for nearly 40 years. It's an amazing thing, but I haven't finished. I haven't finished. I'm still on the journey, but I'm committed to finishing. And you say, well, how, what, what have you done to commit yourself to finishing? Well, I'm making right choices. Everybody say right choices. Because it's right choices that will determine whether you finish or not. See, everybody wants to finish, but everybody is not aware that it's the choices that you make that determine whether you finish or not. It's the choice that you made that got you started. But then you've got a whole series of choices. Series of choices. Every day, there are choices. Right now, there are choices. What a great choice you made this morning when you woke up. You made a choice. I'm going to church. Because you made that church, you're here. Because you made that choice, you're here today. You're listening to this message that has the potential to change your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us lay aside every weight of the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race. That is set before us. Come on, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance. How many of you know what endurance means? It means sticking it out. It means not quitting when you feel like quitting. It means not being deviated when you feel like deviating. It means making the right choices. You are where you are today because of the choices that you have made. See, what happens too often is that we complain about the choices that other people make. You know what? We are not in control of the choices that other people make, but we are in control of the choices that we make. You know, over the years, people have made choices that have hurt me, but you know what? I had to make the choice whether I continue to let them hurt me or whether I draw a barrier and say, you, I, I choose whether you continue to hurt me or I choose to stop the hurt. And so I've decided I'm not going to let people control my life but continue to hurt me. It's my choice. I'm just going to forgive. I'm going to release. I'm going to let go. I, I, I'm not going to hang on to stuff. You know, why, why would I let a hurtful person continue hurting me by grabbing onto stuff and, and holding on to the hurt? I've just got to release. I've got to let it go. I've just got to do that. It's my choice. It wasn't my choice for them to hurt me, but it's my choice where they continue doing so. And it's your choice as well. Good choices versus God choices. That's something that you're going to have to battle with on a constant basis. Good choice versus God choice. I think it's John Bevere that wrote a phenomenal book called Good and God. Good versus God. And too many people are compromising the God thing for the good thing. Let me tell you the difference between a good thing and a God thing. Here it is. A good thing is what pleases you. A God thing is what pleases God. So you've got to choose whether you're going to live a life pleasing yourself, pleasing others, pleasing significant people in your life, or pleasing God. Yeah. You know, a long time ago, I made a decision. My first choice in life is what's pleasing to God. That's my commitment. 
That needs to be your commitment, what's pleasing to God. And you can't fulfill the divine purpose without making that number one in your life. What's pleasing to God? Right now, some of you are sitting there and this week you're going to make some decisions. You've got some big decisions to make. You've got some huge decisions to make. When I was preparing this message, I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, there are some people that are going to come to church and their whole prayer is, Lord, I need to make a decision. Will you speak to me? Well, here it is, the word of the Lord for those of you that prayed that prayer. You have to separate what is pleasing to you and what is pleasing to God. And make a choice based on what's pleasing to God, not what's pleasing to you. Because what's pleasing to the flesh is not always what's pleasing to God. And there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. Let me say it again. There's a price to pay. But it's short-term pain for long-term gain. And some of you, what you're going to do by making the good choice over the God choice is sacrifice the long-term gain. For the short term. But if you please God, then you will always win at the end. It might not feel like it at first. It might feel like you're losing. It might feel like it's 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 the wrong decision. But if it's the God decision, it's never the wrong decision. It's always the right decision. Do you know that there are some decisions that have little consequences? There are some decisions that have life-changing consequences. But there are no decisions that have no consequences. Every decision has a consequence. And when I look at my life, I I, I see life-defining moments. I was at crossroads in my life, and these were life-defining moments. They 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 literally could change the destiny of my life. I'll never forget one of these life-defining moments was May 1975. This is the night that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was May 1975. I was a 16-year-old kid. But here it was. He was my choice. All my friends are going out for a party. But the pastor's given an altar call for those that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will I go to the party or will I go to the altar call? All my friends will be gone by the time I finish prayer. But, and you know what? My decision was I'm going to the altar call. And that was a life-defining decision. Because that night, it was like me getting saved all over again. It was that night, God did something in my life that forever changed me. It was a life-defining decision that I could have missed like that. The next life-defining decision for me was January 1978. I spoke to you about it earlier on. This is when I was at university. God's calling me to the ministry. January 1978, I made the decision. I'm quitting uni. I'm going to Bible college. It was a life-defining moment. My life could have gone in this direction or it could have gone into that direction. And because, And here I was, an 18-year-old kid. 18 years of age, a life-defining moment. Don't you ever think for one minute that you're too young to make life-defining moments. I was an eight, and today, today I'm 58, and I'm still impacted by the decision that 18-year-old John Juliano made. 
18-year-old John Giuliano made a decision that's impacting 58-year-old John Giuliano. Here's another life-defining decision that I made. This is an awesome one. In December 1980, I decided to marry Elizabeth Ann Morgan. What a life-defining decision that was. Hey, and I married up, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just say that I married up. And uh, what a blessing she's been to my life. But what a life-defining moment it is to find the God partner, the God choice. And that's one of the things that Anne and I were doing so sincerely. We sincerely prayed, Lord, if it's your will, if this is of you, if, if our paths are meant to merge and, and do life together for the rest of our lives, then so be it. We're happy for that. But if it's not, make it clear. And God made it so clear. Matter of fact, we went away and prayed about it. And God gave us exactly the same scriptures in the book of Deuteronomy. And it was just an awesome thing because our Bible reading plan converged to the book of Deuteronomy. And and right there in those first 10 chapters, God mapped out our whole life destiny. It was absolutely awesome. Here's another life-defining moment. It was January 1995 when Anne and I decided to come to Chatswood. What a life-defining moment that was. And uh, another life-defining moment was in March of 1998 when we as a church decided that we would become a missions church. Not just a church that did missions, but a missions church. Life-defining moments. And, 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 and it just changed the course of our church. It changed the course of our life. And today, can I just say that today, I am where I am. And we are where we are because of the decisions that we made in the past. And can I just say to you today... You have to make those decisions. You've got choices to make. And the choices that you make will either keep you on course to finish your race or it will deviate you, distract you. Let me finish this morning by just, just, just talking to you about Paul's last words to Timothy. Second Timothy. Paul's last words to Timothy, and I, and I love First and Second Timothy. They're, they're awesome books of the Bible because it's, it's a senior man speaking to a younger man about how to do life well, how to do ministry well. And in Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, he says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Come on, Timothy, finish your race. Timothy, just do the work of it, man. Fulfill your ministry. Endure affliction. Just be watchful in all things. Know this, that you've got big choices to make and there's constant array of choices to make. You're going to have distractions. You're going to have people say nasty things about you. You're going to have people try to deviate you. You're going to have people... You're going to have temptations. You're going to have all sorts of things. But stay on course, Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. And then, and then he gives his own personal testimony in verse 7. He says, Timothy, I've done it. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then lastly, he gives an illustration of a friend of theirs. A friend called Demas, who they all knew. They did ministry together. Demas was a fellow laborer, a fellow worker. And this is what Paul had to say about Demas. He says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He came to a crossroads, and the crossroads was Jesus or the world. Jesus or the things of this world, the riches of this world, the glitter of this world, the gold of this world, the things of this world. 
You know, a long time ago, Anne and I, we made a decision that we're going to keep money out of our heart. And God promised us, John, if you keep money out of your heart, I'll put it in your pocket. And I can still remember saying to Anne, we were in Bible college, we were kids. Sweetheart, I can never promise you a two-story house. I can never promise you two cars in a garage. I can't promise you money. I can't promise you anything of this world. The only thing I promise you is this, is that we're going to serve God together. And I'll love you to my last breath. I'll be faithful to you to my last breath. And she says, taken. And you know what? I pinch myself because the very things that I promised I couldn't give Anne, God's given to us. But we hold on to them very lightly. See, this is what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So I look around today. I look at my life today. And I just see the blessing of God. I just see so many of the dreams that I dreamt come to pass. You know, we we can do holidays. We can do cruises. We can drive nice cars. We can wear nice clothes. We can live in a nice house. We can pastor. But they're not in our heart. What's in our heart is Jesus. I want Jesus. Not the things of this world. The things of this world, they're passing. They come and they go. But it's Jesus. We want Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus. We want to pursue Him and Him alone. He becomes the focus. And if He becomes the focus, He says, John, I don't mind you wearing a silk shirt. I don't mind you driving a nice car. But as long as it's not in your heart, and as long as any day I can come knocking your door and say, thank you, I'll have your silk shirt. Thank you, I'll have your nice car. Thank you, I'll have the house. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that God never takes anything away from you that he doesn't replace with something better. So why wouldn't you give it to him when he's asking for it? Because he'll only replace it with something better. There might be an in-between time of waiting, but that's okay. He's only testing to see whether your heart is for this world or for him. I love Jesus with all of my heart. There's nothing more beautiful in life than to pursue him. And, and, and how beautiful it is to make him known. How beautiful it is to share Jesus with people. How beautiful it is to be a preacher of Jesus and of righteousness and of salvation and of eternal life. And to be able to say to people, you know what? This world is passing. The things of this world are passing. The problems of this world are passing. But Jesus is forever and ever and ever. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. But I have stayed on course. I've finished my race. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And now what's prepared for me is a crown of righteousness, but not only for me, but for all those who have loved his appearing. Come on, church. There is a place that is coming. It's called heaven. It's called eternity. And that's where we live for. The purpose of this life is not to gather things. The purpose of this life is to fulfill the call of God. Let me finish with a verse that I started with. Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. One day will that be the 
prayer that you pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.